Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 156. you got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about some things that people tend to have paralysis by analysis regarding. Uh, so we're just going to get into a variety of topics and get started, uh, starting with Glock triggers. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Um, you know, Brian and I are obviously fairly Glock-centric, um, not Glock-exclusive, but Glock-centric. For, to be certain. Um, I've been running Glocks uh, from new Gen 2s through Gen 3s to Gen 4s, um, you know, and then into Gen 5s. Uh, I, I do think the Gen 5 is a better mousetrap enough, uh, specifically triggers, but also barrels, also changing out the springs and the systems and stuff like that. But we watch people get wrapped around the axle about Glock triggers. The reality check is, as, as a defensive handgun, as a fighting handgun, your Glock trigger is good enough for you to do work. Are you good enough to make it work? That's really what it comes down to. And a lot of folks don't want to hear that because clock triggers absolutely suck compared to what's on the market today versus other auto pistols. Um, HK VP9s, beautiful striker fire trigger. Um, Walther PDP. Walther PDP, beautiful striker fire trigger. Hell, the new Smiths, the 2.0 uh, M&Ps, are, are, have really nice triggers compared to a Gen 3 Glock. Not compared to a Gen 4 definitely not compared to a Gen 5. I'd say they're all relatively comparable at that point. But the reality check is... Um, the back wall and the clock that everybody seems to hate or cry about won't affect you if you learn how to shoot through it. Is it the trigger that you want to take to a USPSA match in your open class gun? Probably not. Well, should you be shooting the clock? Bingo. Thank you. No, absolutely. And that's, that's part of it. And that's what I'm saying. So, um, you know, so we get into this with, you know, guys who get wrapped around the axle about how heavy the trigger is or how this or how that the trigger is. If you accidentally bought a New York Trigger Gen 3 with an 8 or 12 pound or 8 or 10 pound whatever spring, yes, that, that's, that's a tough gun to manage. Um, still doable. Still doable. Still doable. You just got to learn how to run it. Um, and, I, and I would extend the Glock triggers over to other weapon systems as well, other triggers. Uh, a a mil-spec trigger on an AR, we're, we're in the business of selling you a $240 Geisley or at least a $70 PNT from Bravo Company or an ALG defense, you know, trigger. Um, the reality check is uh, almost anybody, you know, the guys that we train with, almost any of them can can beat the snot out of a 10-inch steel plate at 300 yards with a mil-spec trigger and a decent optic um, as long as they take their time and run the trigger. So it's a little bit of a matter. You know, the Marines used to shoot the KD range off to 500 yards um, with beat to snot Colt M4s and then M16A4s and A2s. Um, none of those triggers were Geisley match triggers. And you got a lot of dudes out there that qualified expert by hitting a 500-yard pop-up. So there's a reality check around that. Yeah. To add to the, you know, the Glock trigger, um, we've long joked that we should offer what we call the 2,000-round yeah. trigger job for yep. Glocks, um, wherein you buy us 2,000 rounds of ammo and we shoot your gun for a couple weeks. Yep. Uh, and all of a sudden, the trigger gets really nice. So, yep. you know, go, go actually shoot your gun, learn how it works. Yep. And yep, yep, yep. magically, the, the trigger tends to get pretty good. Absolutely. I mean, it, the, especially the Gen 3 guns really smooth out a lot. I mean, I, I've had the opportunity to pick up basically a new in-box Gen 3 the other day um, and pull the trigger on it and was reminded of how much I don't like it. Um, and, and also the fact that I put enough rounds to the gun to make it work, but it does smooth out a little bit. You'll lose a half pound or more off the trigger and clean things up just by shooting the gun. Keep things lubed. Um, maybe leave it a little bit dirty. It'll grind on itself and do its thing. Um, but go on and you'd be surprised how things work out. Yeah. So, um, next wrapped around the axle topic, barrel length, uh, both pistols and rifles. We'll talk about both briefly. 
Um, right now, guys, some of the hottest guns out there in the pistol market are concealed carry guns like the SIG P365, P365X, and the XL. Um, all those guns now, current production guns, I'd say, the, what, the last year, year and a half, two years, um, year and oh, a half anyway, yeah. are, are, are brilliant little carry guns. Um, you know, there, there was a lot, of, a lot of heartburn around the original P365s because the gun wasn't sprung properly and it was creating primer drag, broken firing pins, etc. Um, that was, I, I think, overall was a spring issue that SIG figured out. Unfortunately, being SIG, they tested it on the aftermarket and let us figure it out for them. But hey, you know, when you're Ron Cohen, that's what you do. So um, we look at barrel length. Everybody gets, you know, wrapped around the axle about that half inch or three quarters of an inch of barrel length on a gun like that. And the reality check is if it's a concealed carry gun, that part of the barrel is inside your trousers in a holster. Really not a real big deal. Um, by the same token, what are you getting out of it? A little bit of sight radius that you probably may or may not need. Probably not. Especially and, if you're running a dot. Exactly. And if you're running a dot, for sure. Uh, and then beyond that velocity, a half inch, three quarters of an inch velocity, I think you're splitting hairs. If you shoot somebody in the right eyeball with 147 grain HST, they won't care if it lost seven seconds, seven feet per second um, coming out of a little bit shorter barrel. So, you know, a lot of the barrel length issues, uh, same thing when you get, you know, any, any of the compact versus subcompacts uh, versus full size guns. When you go from a you know a three inch barreled uh, G43 to a four and a half inch barrel G17, yeah, you're going to gain some performance velocity wise. You're definitely going to gain um, some visual aspects sight wise that helps. But there's a re also a reality check that it, you know for what you need the gun for. When you look at some of the stats that have you know come out of like I don't know if it was uh, if it's Givens or who it is that just put out that Greg Elephants reposted something from Givens talking about 60 some of his students that have been in gunfights. And literally, the, the max distance was like 22 yards. The average was a car length, give or take. Um, yeah. Do you really need a four and a half inch target sighted gun? Probably not. So, uh, so with pistols, you know, definitely, you know, whatever's comfortable for you, um, go shoot the guns because sometimes that shorter barrel has less reciprocating mass and seems to shoot softer, like the Glock 45. Yeah, uh, versus the, the 17 to me. Like the 43X seems to be really popular with a yep, lot of people. Absolutely. Um, versus the longer barrel, maybe in the right system, maybe the longer slide's a little bit smoother, I don't know. And depending on your, your visual acuity, maybe having a little bit longer sight radius helps. So either way, go shoot them and see what works for you. And by shoot them, I mean, if you can, run some drills. I know it's hard to go rent a gun at an indoor range and run drills and stuff like that to see what you think. Um, but, you know, generally find a, you know, find a couple buddies who have them and plan a range day and go train. Yeah. So... Um, rifles, we get into the exact same conversation. Anything you, I'm sorry, before I leave pistols, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, if you are switching between barrel lengths, especially on the, some of the smaller guns, um, run your carry ammo through them. Make sure your hollow points feed reliably. Yep. Um, we get into really short barrels. Um, angles start to get a little bit more extreme. Yep. Um, so, yeah, make sure make sure your gun's gonna feed with the ammo you intend to carry it with. Yeah, when you brown, most of these guns are Browning tilting lockup systems, so you've got to catch the bottom edge of that feed ramp and get above it. And when you get to longer bullets, sometimes you run into issues with that. Um, and the longer bullet may not necessarily be a bullet weight conversation. You know, it may also it may be the hollow point, how big or yeah. how opens the hollow point to get whatever weight out of the bullet, and then how big is the opening? Or you know no. how how sharp is that edge of the it's hollow point? All the above. Yep, yeah. absolutely. So. Um, bumping over to rifles, uh, we have this conversation around ARs on a regular basis. Um, you know, guys, you know, talking about it, old, the old school guys, uh, GWAT guys, army dudes, you know, 1990s and back, uh, talking about, you know, you need a 20 inch barrel for efficacy of that round to work right. Um, if you're running M193 55 grain ball ammo, yep, 
needs to be going 2,700-ish feet per second to tumble and do nasty, nasty things. Um, get, I'm, I'm back to the conversation around um, if you look at that conversation and you you know, again, you take a that same round and put it in an 8-inch barrel um, and you shoot somebody in the right eyeball uh, at 12 feet, they're not going to care if it was going 2,700 feet per second or shot not. Shot placement matters. Yep, shot placement trumps all this stuff. Uh, if you want to go shoot a 6.5 Creedmoor out to 1,500 meters, then yeah, I'm looking for a 24, 26-inch barrel. I want to burn every grain of powder I have, etc. If you're pushing a 338 Lapua out to two miles uh, chasing Haji, then absolutely, I want the barrel. I want to burn all the powder I can get, all the velocity out of it I can get. There's also a trade-off, though. Longer barrel length versus shorter barrel length. If all else is the same, you're going to have more barrel harmonics, more whip, more movement on that barrel. Um, and maintaining that consistency of that barrel whip is what's going to make accuracy versus a shorter, stiffer barrel. So, you know, weighing those things out, I, I, there are times when it matters, but on a defensive tool for up close and personal inside your house, and I would even say out to 200 yards, there's really not much of a conversation around this stuff. Learn how to shoot your gun and put your bullets where you want them to go uh, around 5.56. Five, uh, some of the bigger calibers make that less of a conversation, 308. Um, the Leonidas project that, that Noveski, the Noveski gun, that's a little short. Yeah, I think that was Noveski. Yeah, they did a little shorty 308 gun that's just freaking brutal. And uh, everybody went crazy. Oh my God, the barrel's too short, blah, 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 blah. It's like, stop, it's not a sniper rifle. I'm putting 150 grain bullets in your ass, uh, uh, you know, across the courtyard of the embassy. You won't care um, if you're the one getting shot. Um, and say, 300 blackout, you know, 300 blackout's interesting because if you start talking subsonic, I don't care if you want to do a five inch trainer blackout, but it's not even a 45 at that point. You're losing velocity. But again, down the hallway of your house, if you shoot the bad guy in the face three times with a 220 grain sub that was only going 800 feet per second instead of 900, it's probably not going to care. It's probably not going to be a big debate over that, yeah. right? Um, and then going and then going to the supersonic rounds, you know, it's the same conversation. What are you using the gun for? We always talk about application, and we have guys come in on a regular basis. If you if you're seeking to have you know your opinion validated, this might not be the right place because we kind of slay sacred cows. If you come in and just say, "I just want one," okay, yeah. cool, They're, let's do it. Sacred cows are pretty tasty. They are tasty. I like them do, a lot. Do um, medium rare on the grill. Uh huh. Well, or you know the the dinosaur ribs out of a sacred cow. Oh man, smoke them yeah. up. Woo! Yep, it's it's like being sacred makes them better. I don't know. It's kind of like liberal tears. Sprinkling liberal tears yeah. on things makes it better. So yeah. So, you know, guys, you know, again, some of this can get esoteric. Some of this can get into the weeds. If there's a legitimate reason to get into the weeds over barrel length and stuff like that, then I get it. That's totally cool. But for the most part, on defensive tools, there's not. There's really not. Um, yeah, what, what does make a difference on defensive tools is shorter, lighter, easier to maneuver. Yep. Um, as long as it's reliable. Yeah, make it, yeah as yeah. long as the reliability is there, you know, being able to transition between targets faster. Yep. Uh, refine your shot placement faster. Yep. Uh, I'd say that that's more of it. Yeah. More what you should be looking for than exacting every last bit of velocity out of the cartridge. Absolutely. A again, assuming some certain things, right? So you know, working within that, um, you know, and the reality check is if five five six did only worked in twenty inch barrels, then the SF dudes wouldn't wouldn't be stacking people up like cordwood with Mark eighteens, especially in desert and mountain environments where there may be some distance involved. Um, you put an, a Schmidt short dot on something and hand it to a freaking, you know, a tier one SF dude, you better not be within 500 meters or they'll probably ruin your day kind of thing. So, uh, anything else on that? Yeah. 
uh, moving on, kind of the same same thing. You know, yep. which talk about which suppressor to get. Yeah, same uh, conversation. Yeah, our general general mindset around suppressors is you get to choose two of four things. Mm-hmm. Um, be that overall weight, overall length, total sound suppression, and then um, how much do you want to spend on it? Yep. And you're you're gonna get what? Maybe two. Yeah, of those usually four? like two out of four. Might get super lucky and get three, but probably not most of the time. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes a fifth of whose muzzle devices do you want to buy? Yep. Or you know what branding do you think is cool? Well, and and I and I'll maybe add if you if you want to go as far as the sixth, who's going to be in business in ten years? Yeah. Um, you know th- there is some comfort. I think you know when I you know looking back to like Gym Tech as an example, uh, Gym Tech's been owned by Smith and Wesson now for six or eight years. No, like two or three. Is it okay? Yeah. Either way, so so Smith now you know Smith owns Gym Tech. Um, there have been some concerns about whether or not Smith's going to support the Gym Tech line or not because it's a pain in the ass to do maintenance, repairs, and stuff like that on something that you didn't build or you don't own. Um, you know, and is, is the brand worth carrying kind of conversation. Um, you know, AAC, nobody thought AAC would ever be anything other than a standalone suppressor manufacturer with the contract basis they had and everything else. Uh, they got bought by Remington. Uh, Remington went bankrupt under Freedom Group's mismanagement. Um, and under a really soft market during the Trump administration, and all of a sudden, you know, AAC is kind of up in the air with Remington. And, and again, I don't think AAC as a brand is going anywhere any more than Colt is. It's just who's going to end up owning them. And well, the company that ends up owning them was probably better at business than the original company was to begin with. And will they maintain the line? Is yeah. the money there? Is it, is it viable as an actual business entity or a brand? Uh, or will they pass it off to somebody else who God knows what they're going to do with it kind of thing? Um, you know, so that's, that's a little bit of that conversation is where do you want to go with that? Uh, you know, looking at some of the brands from established companies, not to say it couldn't happen to like Surefire, um, not to say it couldn't happen to any number of other big name manufacturers. It's just being aware of that and maybe looking at that as well as a conversation around if you need to have it serviced down the road, is the original company going to be around or, or are they a viable enough brand to get purchased? Um, I love the Q stuff. Um, but you know, Q's a relatively new company. The guy who owns the company is miserable. I, it sounds like as a partner is tough to work yeah. with, right? Uh, ask the guys at Remington, but of course they also ran out of business. So maybe he was right and they were wrong, which I would assume that's the case. Um, you know, that kind of mentality. So without beating that horse too much. Um, and again, coming in and, you know, and saying, Hey, um, which can should I get? And when you already had one in mind, rather than saying, Hey, which can should I get? And then having us tell you, you're picking the wrong can. Um, come in and say, Hey, I really want this can and have us say, well, here are some other options based on your application. But if you just want one, just want one. And that, if that's, that's totally cool. It's no big deal that one of those four or six topics may be more important to you than they are for us. We may be looking at it from our angle, not from your angle. So, you know, in communication, let's, let's take a look and see kind of what we can do and help you get in the right place and understand we may recommend something different from what you're looking at. Um, and that's generally, if we're saying that it's based on experience, it's based on some kind of knowledge. So yeah. 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 So, uh, cans are really interesting guys. Um, if you're looking for specs on a silencer or you're looking for suggestions on a silencer, uh, the information's on the internet for sure. There are a number of really good places you can go. Silencershop.com. Their website has every spec you could ever want on the can and a DB testing pretty consistently done. Um, not super scientific, but pretty consistently done on every can they sell. And then beyond that, I understand that they're slammed right now. Um, and historically, that'll come if you look at the date this was done. Um, but, it, you know, if you call them up and ask them, they may say something like, hey, um, you know, we're making the world a quieter place right now. 
they were really busy. Um, if you leave your name and number, they'll call you back and you can have a conversation with somebody. They generally will give you really good advice on what can you should be running if you just don't know. Um, again, if you're seeking to validate what you want, they'll sell you that can too. They'll make it happen sure. one way or the other. Anything else to add to silencers? Yeah, just go do it. Um, yeah. You know, the the yeah. sooner you sooner you start the process, the sooner you have your suppressor in your hand. Yep. Um, you know, having a suppressor is better than having having a perfect or uh, having a suppressor on your gun now is a lot better than not having the perfect suppressor on your gun ever. Yeah, and and, and like I said, guys, with the process, where as we do this podcast. Um, you know, we're looking right now at e-files being still being a little bit of a train wreck and everybody trying to figure that out. We were initially telling people, Hey, maybe pump the brakes through January. Um, now that we're into February, I don't think they have the system hammered out yet, but if you want to get in line, get, get in line. It's your wait time is still going to be dramatically less than it would have been under paper. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Cause we were seeing, we were seeing leads all of a sudden go to 10 and 12 months when they had been seven or eight months. Uh, and I don't think with e-file you're going to see anything stretched out. I, I still think that you're going to see six months or less on e-file, worst case, and then go from there. Because, so, I mean, Silencer Shop is trickling in e-files now to the ATF. Uh, they're just not dumping on them because the volume alone of Silencer Shop is like three-quarters of all Form 4s being submitted come out of Silencer Shop. So if they chose to open the floodgates, the ATF would crash and burn, and we'd be back to where we were in 16, where the ATF just threw their hands in the air and said, screw it, we're not doing this. So, so understand that's why we're not going full tilt boogie just yet. Uh, also, the process is interesting, but that's a whole other conversation. Stop in and talk to us about individual certification or call the ATF and see if you can find out what that actually means because they don't know either. So, yeah, yeah cool. Uh, optics. Yeah. Um, let's start off with LPVOs because that's probably a little more personal. Sure. Okay. Um, LPVOs, uh, a lot of guys getting, there's some cool reticles out there. There's some ranging reticles out there um, on a low power variable, one to six, one to eight, now even one to 10 in some cases. And if you were running a one to four or one to six um, second focal plane, um, you know, you might have been looking at some kind of like Horace style or ranging style reticle in an LPVO that didn't make a lot of sense because you didn't have the juice to use it. And or you didn't have the like the focal plane to use it. Exactly, you didn't have the focal plane to use it or the juice to use it. Power-wise, um, going with reticle types and stuff like that in those optics. If you can articulate what you want to use it for and why you need that reticle, then by all means jump on it. Um, if you don't know why you're looking at an ACSS or you don't know why you're looking at a Horus H59 or you don't know why you're looking at some type of ranging reticle in an LPVO specifically. Um, then, you know, I wouldn't worry about it too much. It's got, a, it's got a crosshair somewhere in the middle or a dot or a thing that recognizes somewhere in the middle and then has some kind of hashes or marks, demarcations on the, op on the reticle itself that tell you that you can learn where your bullet and your gun's going to hit at a certain distance. Go learn that optic and that reticle and go on versus getting wrapped around the axle about specifically what it's doing. Um, on an LPVO, one of the brilliant parts of an LPVO is being able to crank a illuminated reticle all the way up to daylight bright, I would say that's probably a more important conversation is at 1x, can I make this thing bright enough that it pops like a reflex optic so that I'm not losing that functionality out of it versus um, does it match my uh, you know 3.75 inch 224 Valkyrie setup that I have that's my super like I can put it in my back pocket and shoot things a mile away still which doesn't actually exist. Um, but yeah, you know, does the reticle match the, yeah. Yeah. You know, let's not get, again, getting into the esoterica. If you can articulate exactly why you want that reticle, then by all means push on with it. 
Uh, but in an LPVO, I wouldn't get as wrapped around the axle about that. Yeah. Well, the thing we really like about the Trigicon Credo, yep. um, of which I'm trying to think who at, who's at the store that doesn't own one at this point, because uh, it seems like most yeah, of nobody. us have one, Yeah. Uh, is that it's just a, it's a mill-based reticle. Uh, so if you take your, your, the gun that you've got, um, chrono, what ammo you're using, you can run that information through JBM ballistics and then be able to match up, you know, ranges to mill hashes. Yep. And it, it's sort of universal and works really well on a lot of things. Well, plus if you're and running two different bullet weights, you, you can set up two different bullet weights. You can have yep. dope cards or your book ready to go. Cause it's just, you're just plugging mill hashes at distances. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, at 1X, um, we have very, very, very close to true 1X performance. Yep. Um, optically uh, with the daylight bright reticle. Uh, so it works brilliantly in that, that regard as well. Yeah. And, and the new Credo versus the AccuPower, um, even if you don't think the green's daylight visible, then you can switch over to red because the yep. red's daylight visible for sure. Um, you know, brilliant scope. Um, you know, the other option that we have in the store that, that we're a big fan of that's about a half the price point or a third, uh, maybe a third off, um, the USO optic is very bright, very clear. It's a very crisp reticle and it's super functional. There's a couple different variants. Um, and again, same kind of thing where you're looking at mill hashes. Um, go figure out your velocity, go set up your dope, know what you're doing, and get a card to work with, and then go confirm it. If you can go yep. to Thunder Valley and push it out through, you know, maybe even five, six hundred yards on a, you know, five, five, six gun. Just see what she's doing. Um, we had uh, one of our friends put together almost on a bet a, a cheapest build he could do for a five, five, six gun that wasn't just shit parts and then put a, uh, a, a, a non-major brand high power optic on it that had a decent ranging reticle um, and made and walked it out to a thousand yards with a five, five, six gun uh, the first day out with it. So, you know, again, at a thousand yards, that's where that reticle starts to matter, but up close, less and less. Yep. So, um, with the, uh, pistol optics or, or reflex nice. optics, I'm yeah. going to say pistol cause you can use them on anything. Um, but with the reflex optics that are out there, the hollow suns versus the EOTech versus the, uh, MROs versus the aim points, etc. And I'm sure I'm leaving a few out of there. Um, the dot versus the circle dot, uh, versus the circle only. The circle only, I'm sure, has some manner of application. I'm just not sure what it is. Shotgun, maybe shotgun, or maybe a machine gun. I don't, yeah. I don't know. You know, something like that. Um, it, you know, but if you look at the dot, if if you think that the circle dot's too cluttered, that's awesome. Um, go ahead and do just a dot. If you're running it on an AR um, and you think that the circle dot's an advantage to have a, a pistol style or a reflex style optic, but on an AR. Uh, the circle dot might let you range. Um, the reality is the EOTex, that was one of the cool things. It's a 65 MOA ring. Um, but if you like just a dot, then run just a dot too. I don't care. I've run both. And I, the thing for me, especially with the reflex optic on a handgun, is I really like the circle dot. Because if you look at a 32 MOA circle at 100 yards, is 32 inches. At 25 yards is only 8 inches, which is a nice chest or head size marker. And then closer in at half that distance, 12 and a half yards, it's a 4-inch dot, which is pretty precise for handgun use. Um, and it's a big, easy-to-see blob. So some folks get wrapped around the axle about that, oh, that's too big of a reticle for serious defensive use. Um, I'm not a sniper. If I'm using that gun, it's probably going to be at relatively close range. And if I have a chance to use the optic or the sights on the gun, um, something that's, that's super visible is going to be a win for me versus something yeah. that's not. Uh, the other big thing with these kind of optics is your eyes should be target focused. Yep. So if you're staring at the reticle, you're doing it wrong. Yep. 
uh, and a lot of the you know these kind of concerns with you know the optics being too busy sort of go away when you stay target focused. Yep. Um, because we're just looking for the optic to basically be where we need it to be, uh, kind of superimposed over the target area we want to shoot. Yeah. And then we should be sending rounds. And and the distance makes the optic design relevant. So if you happen to be using a circle dot and it's on a further target, then it's real easy to just put the dot on the target and go on. If you're up close, it's real easy to just throw the blob on the target and make the hit. So getting wrapped around the actual about which is which is probably not valid. And most of the conversations we have with folks, you know, are folks that are looking at going to an optic, a reflex optic on a handgun, and they're concerned about, you know, something different than what they've always used. Um, most of the rifle guys, because the EOTech's been around for long enough, this is really kind of a personal choice conversation. But on the pistol, uh, there seems to be some serious pushback about whether or not a circle dot's relevant on a pistol. Um, and I'd say that you will, you will solve that question to you, uh, personally, just by going out and training with one and seeing if you find that it gets in the way, that's cool. Uh, but I think the vast majority of people aren't going to have a problem with it one way or the other. And then the beauty of it is most of them, you can just push a button and now you have just a dot. So yep. sweating, it doesn't seem like it's worth the effort or the concern, but either way. Um, and we like to have these conversations, you know, in the shop because we can show you and explain, you know, a little bit of the why's, what's, where, force, twos, and how's. So um anything else on optics yeah the same thing with you know does the optic like meatball does it starburst yep uh, a lot of that stuff you know if you're in here and you're staring at the you know at the reticle at the wall that's three feet in front of you yep uh, and you're probably doing it wrong yeah um you know once we get our eyes target focused most if not all of those issues kind of go away yeah, and, I, and I'm going to, you just triggered me. You just triggered me. You just uh -oh. set off my MRO trigger. Um, we get got that a lot when the original MROs came out. It had a blue tint. Uh, oh, my God, this tint's so blue. Oh, my God. Well, what the fuck? If a, snur if a Smurf sneaks up in front of your optic and you can't see him because of the blue tint, then, yeah, Papa Smurf's going to get you. Sorry. They wear white pants. Shoot them down low. Usually the white hat, too. You, the C. So just shoot between the white. You'll be fine. Um, but you know, I, I, other than that, I've been attacked by Smurf recently, except Smurfette, but we won't talk about that. Um, so there's a reality check around, you know, is, is was it a big deal? The, uh, parallax issues with it. If you kept the dot toward the center of the reticle, you could hit what you want. Um, 10 inch steel plate with an AR pistol at 300 yards all day long with a type one, an old school, uh, MRO. But because somebody read it on the internet, then they would come in the store and they would look at the wall three feet away. Oh my God, it's so blue. Oh my God. Oh, I can see the parallax. Oh my God. I can, it's 1.08. Whatever, dude. Um, you know, maybe focus a little more on shooting your stuff rather than worrying about that kind of stuff. It's not a sniper optic. It's intended as a close range optic. And if you use it properly, you can still make hits at distance. You just got to square yourself away. Um, so there's some, sorry, that, that was my trigger thing. That's yeah. my trigger thing. So, And if you go in Cabela's and you try out scopes and you look at like the wall behind the counter eight feet from you and talk about how clear it is, I hope somebody smacks you um, because it won't even focus close enough for you to look at that freaking wall. Um, so you have no idea how clear it actually is. So just, just a thought. Yeah. All right. Ah, Yeah. Okay, um, we'll calm it down there. Cool. Yeah. And on that note, um, Follow us along on social media, as long as the, the commie bastards that met it let us stick around. Yep. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Cap City Outfitters, and on Instagram, we are Cap City Outfitters 2. Uh, so give us a follow on there as we get new things in the store, come across cool stuff. Um, that's generally where we put it. 
Uh, we also send out an email once a week on Fridays. You can sign up for that on our website at capcityoutfitters.com or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com and we will add you to the newsletter list. Uh, also on the website, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. And then lastly, come see us at the store. We're here in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we're here Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 5, and we look forward to seeing you soon. And sorry for the F-bomb, but Brian triggered me.